So we're going through the series on open doors. And I guess the question is, how many open doors have you walked through since you've started this series? What choices have you made? Has this series made any difference to your life at all? Or you've made some decisions, but have you started doubting yourself and doubting those decisions? Just some things to think about. Just a few words from Psalm 84. It's verses, I'm going to read from verses 4 to 7. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, to each appears before God in Zion. I was listening to something on the radio, it said about dwelling, and it's just literally making space for God. You dwell in God's presence, and we've come here this morning to dwell and to listen to God. Um, But you might be saying, what's this passage got to do with open doors? As we've talked about in the last few weeks, we face choices each and every day, large and small in our lives. And over the last few weeks, I hope we've all been prompted to think about how we recognise open doors. Perhaps we've come to the realisation that there is no right or wrong door. And if we come to question where God is in all of this, and just pray to God asking him to give us guidance on those decisions of life. And as we make those decisions, as we walk through our doors, we suddenly realise how entwined our lives are with God's purposes And we go on with him. But the reality is we can look at an open door for as long as we like. We can ponder over decisions for as long as we like. But at some point we have to walk through that open door and embrace life. With a childlike faith perhaps. But we need to embrace it wholeheartedly and go for it. So how's your heart this morning? How's your commitment to life going this morning? Just walking through the doors of this church may have been the biggest challenge you face today. Or there may be something even more daunting ahead of you as you leave today. But walking through doors will always bring challenges. And I read this the other day about faith. It says, faith without effort is no faith at all. When we walk through a door, take on a challenge, it takes effort. Whatever we do in life, it takes faith and effort. And the two are combined together. And this church holds many memories for us. Good and difficult ones. And we may be in that valley of Baca at the moment, which just literally means the valley of weeping which can make church and the memories of church quite a hard place to be. However, in this place as we come to meet with God, God opens up new doors of grace, new doors of love and forgiveness. And it's our attitude as we walk through the door 
that makes a difference to how we see that situation. Situations change. We can't really change. We can't control that. And we might find it hard going sometimes, going through the same door, going into a job that we don't particularly like, or facing a situation or people that we'd rather avoid. To the other end of the spectrum, you may be rejoicing over a decision that you've made, a door that you've walked through, and you wonder to yourself, why did it take me so long to make that decision? And you're rejoicing in all that God could do in that place. But as I say, we may be in that valley of Baca, but it's our response, it's our attitude to that situation that makes all the difference. If we trust in a God that loves us with an everlasting love, he can turn those difficult situations into opportunities for him to act. And I'm not talking about the modern power of positive thinking, but literally trusting in God. We have to trust that God is faithful, that he's promised to meet us on our front line. Be it as a student, a mum, a friend, or a CEO, God loves us with this everlasting love, and his desire for each one of us is to go from strength to strength in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we may not understand all of God's plans, but we do know that God's timing is perfect. This Bible is full of God's promises to each one of us. And sometimes I think we need to focus not on what God's not doing, but the promises that he's given each one of us for the future and focus on those promises and move forward to new opportunities. And sometimes when we take on new opportunities, our, our, our hearts are literally in our mouths, aren't they? Or the, as the phrase goes, our hearts are pounding in our chest as we take on that new challenge, as we walk through that new door. But isn't it those very moments of life that are exciting, when our hearts are pounding, we don't know quite what's going to happen, but yet we step through that door in faith. And for those that don't step through that door, what do people often say? Oh, their hearts weren't really in it. They were just going through the motions. They were being half-hearted in what they were doing. And God calls us not to be half-hearted, but whole-hearted. So how's your heart this morning? And I love the phrase in this psalm that we just read. It says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And pilgrimage is just a journey. It's defined as a, a journey to a sacred place. A place of religious devotion. And there's two aspects to to a a pilgrimage for me. One is the physical aspect. When they set out on their pilgrimage, they knew roughly where they were going, but they wouldn't know what was going to happen each and every day. But what they did know is that they had to go forward. They had to take the challenges of those days, move through them and on to where they knew that they wanted to be. And that's the same with us. We have to keep going forward in God. But on that journey, they had time to reflect on who they were they had time to realise it was okay to be who they wanted to be. They had time to reflect that it was okay to be the person or the child that God had made them to be. 
it was okay to be themselves. And as we walk this journey of life for ourselves, we need to remember that we don't walk it alone. We walk as a child of God. We walk in the knowledge that God walks with us. Because Jesus wholeheartedly went to the cross to bring us life. God looks at our hearts and says, how are you going? We need to enter into life wholeheartedly without regrets. Or without, if only this situation would change, then I would follow God more wholeheartedly. God says, walk and I'll meet you along the way. Amaziah, a king in the Old Testament, was described as a king that didn't follow follow God wholeheartedly. And yet King David still had problems in his life, but he was one who was described as one who had God's own heart. And I think it's because he went for it. He may have made mistakes along the way, but he went for it. It's like running a marathon. You can't run a marathon half-heartedly, as Andrew knows. You have to put all of your effort into it. And he's still suffering, I guess. Or you can't go to the Olympics and think, oh, well, I'll just go along and see what happens. No, we have to be wholehearted in doing the things that God has called us to do in life. And once we've made those decisions, maybe that's the easy part. It's living without regret, which is the difficult part, I think. The Israelites decided to follow Moses to go through that door. And it was only a few days into that journey that they decided, perhaps we've chosen the wrong door. Perhaps it was better back in Egypt. Can we go back where it's better? They tried to live with regret. We need to leave the past behind us and move on wholeheartedly in God. But it's hard making those decisions. I don't know about you, when you go to a restaurant, I have to go down the menu and choose my menu and I'm thinking, right, I've chosen the lasagna. And then the order's gone away and then you start, as the, as the meals appear, you start looking around thinking, have I made the right choice? <laughs> Was there something else I should have chosen? Perhaps I should have gone for the beef burger or the cheeseburger. And we can play these games as Christians, can't we? Do I have a calling to the hamburger? (laughs) Too many, I think. Um, Do I have peace about choosing the hamburger? Do I have it with cheese or do I have it with bacon? These are the questions we face. And then we think, right, well, I've chosen. Let's sit back and enjoy it. I've made my choice in life. And sometimes I think we're not called to the adventure God calls us to because we, we want complete assurance that everything's going to be perfect before we undertake that step of faith. And I'm realising, isn't this how steps of faith go? You say, oh, do I have a burden or a calling to something? And then follows abject terror. I can't do it. I haven't got the skills to do it. I don't want to do it. People say, I can't do it. And then you think, you get a bit more confidence out, and then big problems appear. More terror appears. You start to get second thoughts. And you repeat this over and over again on the bigger decisions until finally you've forgotten the original choice that you were going to make in the first place. But somehow through it all, God deepens your faith. Somehow through it all, God challenges you and you grow in your faith. And it was the same for the early disciples, as we can read in John chapter 17. 
starting at verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God sends us into the world. And later in John's Gospel, in verse 20 it says, As the Father is sending me, I am sending you. The slight problem is with this is that um, Jesus was a, bit, was a bit vague on the actual task that we're supposed to do. He just told them to go and be in the world and I will be with you. He didn't give them any more details than this. It would have been quite nice to know what to do. But God still says the same for us. Go into the world. I will protect you. Trust in me. But we have to take our hearts in our mouths, don't we? And move forward in the knowledge that God is with us. But thankfully God, or Jesus, did give his disciples a few tips. We can read in uh, Matthew chapter 10, starting at uh, verse uh, verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. Whatever we do for God, there's going to be difficulties. We may not face a flogging, but there are going to be some difficulties. But Jesus gives them some tips, some pointers, how to go out into the world. And the first is that you're going to be sheep among wolves. I've grown up in a, in a workplace that's very competitive. You have to get to the top. You have to be number one to be something. To be the wolf of Wall Street. And sometimes it's quite hard working in that, that environment as a Christian. Being forced to achieve more and more and more and more. Because there's never an end to it. So what did Jesus mean about being sheep in the world? Sheep's not a great description, is it? You have sporting teams that are called the Tigers, the Bulls, the Lions, and we've even got the Eagles up the road um, for their Crystal Palace, for those that don't know. (laughs) But I haven't come across a team that's called the Sheep. You might have West Ham the Bubbles, or the Hammers they're called, but, but you haven't got many teams called Sheep. Because sheep doesn't conjure up something adventurous, does it? Doesn't it? So, what did Jesus mean by about being sheep? Now, if I was a sheep in the middle of a wolf pack, I'd be very careful, I think. I'd probably creep round the edge or something, or take my time. And that's something of what Jesus wanted his disciples to be. He didn't want them to be arrogant, but rather respectful, caring, humble, and even vulnerable in the world that they lived in. And um, I'm led to believe in sign language there's two symbols for being vulnerable. One is bent-kneed or or crossed-fingered, 
which means weak need. And the other one is opening up your jacket to reveal something of who you are. You reveal something of yourself by opening yourself up. I don't know how you do that in sign language. But anyway, it struck me that we need to be vulnerable. We need to reveal not who we are, but who God is in us as we go into the workplace. So when we go into the workplace, Jesus doesn't want us to be arrogant or full of pride, but neither does he want us to be doormats and accept everything that comes our way. God wants us to serve in the strength that Christ gives us. God wants us to be kind, compassionate, but he also wants us to reveal something of who we are, who we trust in, in the workplace or in the school or whoever we meet with week by week, day by day, so that we can reflect God's glory in our lives and in the places that we are. So as sheep, we are to go into this world as people trusting in God. Not arrogant, not doormats, but in the strength that God gives us. And he says you're supposed to be as wise as serpents. And the last couple of weeks ago, Ian focused on about wisdom and making wise choices. And Jesus encouraged his disciples to be wise in their dealings with the world and the choices that they made. God has given us brains. God has given us skills. And we need to use our wisdom day by day for God's glory. But sometimes I think there's this unwritten rule that we can't be successful as Christians. Or not too successful, depending on how you define success. But Jesus would say to each one of us, give 100%. Give all that you can for me with the gifts that I have given you and just see what happens. Go out not for our glory, but for God's glory. And I'm toying with running a um, cat money management course if I can fit it into my busy life, as my wife looks at me, um, which I may not be able to do. But essentially, when would be the best time to run a cat money management course? I think it's about February time, because people have overspent for Christmas, they want to save up for a summer holiday. So if we were going to run one, we need to be wise when we run it. We wouldn't run it July, August time, when most people are away on holiday. I think we have to be intentional about building God's kingdom, We have to be intentional about making friendships and relationships. We have to be intentional with wisdom with all that we do. And my son, um, about a year ago, was choosing his options. And he only revised for the exams that he knew that he was going to take his options in. And I wouldn't recommend it, but I thought there's a bit of wisdom in that. Because if he's not going to need those subjects, why revise for them? So he revised for the ones that he wanted to do and put all of his... (laughs) put his effort into those which I thought was quite a wise thing to do and when I try and go for a haircut when I had some um, I always try to go to the same barbers and try and find the same barber because intentionally you want to make that relationship with that person and you get to know people over time but you have to be intentional in the things that you do be it a haircut or walking the dog or, or whatever it is be intentional So, wherever our front line is, we need to be as wise as serpents. This means understanding ourselves, knowing what our strengths are, knowing what we enjoy to do. 
but also understanding the world around us, understanding the culture, understanding the political place that we work in and live in, and understand the impacts Christians make in the world and what opportunity we have to present God's gospel to this world. But we also need to remember, don't we, that it's not us with our bright ideas. True wisdom still comes from God. True wisdom still comes from praying and hearing and allowing God's word to change our lives day by day. Which is why God calls us to be as innocent as doves. And another way of putting that is just be wholeheartedly following Jesus. And allow God to change our character to be more Christ-like in our daily lives. To be more like doves. In the choices that we make, we need to allow God to transform our daily lives and each one of us into the people that he wants us to be. As we come here week by week, I think we come because we want to meet with God, but I also think we come because we want to build better lives for our families, for our friends, for the community that we live in, and for ourselves. But we do that because our lives overflow with the truth and love that's been embedded into us week by week, year by year, as we come and hear God's word. We have learnt many lessons over the years in this place. And perhaps we still need to learn those new lessons of forgiveness, love and encouragement. To be at peace with God and to know the joy of God. But we need to come and meet together as a community. And like it or not, when we, we, when we declare that we are Christians, we are different. We are called to be different We are called to live by a different set of values in this world. To trust God more, day by day. And even when we don't know where where the journey leads, God calls us to be wholehearted in our walk with him. Wholehearted in our decisions as we walk through the door. And once we've made those decisions, give it our best. Don't live with regret. Don't think there is another door, a second door that we can walk through. Now, God has set this door before us. Why? Because we're all individuals. We're all different. We all make different choices. We're all given different abilities and different gifts. But God wants us to walk through our doors, knowing that we don't walk alone, but we walk with God. We need to remember that we don't walk this walk alone, this journey alone. We walk with God, and we have to be open to God's Holy Spirit leading and guiding us in every situation that we find ourselves. So this week, we might find ourselves in the Valley of Becca. We might find ourselves wandering amongst walls or the joy of new adventures. But as we go through these doors of life, go through the sheep trusting in God, go through the wisdom that God has given you to enjoy and embrace and live life to the full, but also go through innocently as doves, getting your strength from God's word, reflecting God's character in your lives as we live each day. And as I was preparing, um, I think God was saying to me that maybe we need to make some new commitments again. 
I don't know what those situations are that you need to recommit yourselves to. But God says, or I think God is saying to some people here, recommit again and see what I can do in your life. So wholeheartedly go for it this week and be the person that Christ has called you to be. Amen.